Citizens of the Earth, you will be destroyed. I see the dragons! Welcome to the Sideshow. I'm Justin. And I'm Jenny. And this is our podcast where we go... I have a question for you. Go for it. What is your first experiences with horror? Oof. The memories that stand out most as a child. There was this really stupid movie called Dr. Giggles growing up, right? Mm -hmm. And I never... Well, I saw it, but years after I'd seen the trailers for it. Mm -hmm. And the trailer for it terrified me. Just the trailer? Just the trailer. It started my lifelong fear of abandoned hospitals and, you know, crazy doctors. And how old were you? I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young, though. I think I was probably eight or nine. Mm. To me, that was the most terrifying thing I had ever seen. And when I got a few years older and I watched it, it really wasn't scary at all. It's kind of like a, a black comedy. What was the one scene that made you scared the most? I don't really remember what the one scene was that scared me the most. I just remember the overall trailer was scary. Okay. Maybe I should rewatch the trailer to, you know, try to stir up those old memories. <laughs> what about you? Um, I was about the same age. Well, maybe probably about 10 years old. Uh, so growing up in my house, I wasn't allowed to watch anything except like G or PG films. So I think it was on TV and I snuck in to the TV room and watched Poltergeist for the first time. It's I'm surprised that I watched it all the way to the end. But and I think it was. Maybe it was the second one because it was the the most terrifying scene was when the tree came through the window. And I think as a kid, things that scare you are things that could possibly happen. Not that the tree is going to come to life, but when you when your imagination goes, you know, goes crazy when you're about to go to sleep and there's a tree outside of your window, I mean, that could stir up some nightmares. Poltergeist is definitely one of those films that terrified uh, children for <laughs> decades. Uh, I actually didn't – I think maybe I saw it as a kid. I don't know if I watched the entire thing. I definitely knew of it and knew of parts of it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really watch it as an adult until two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's not that scary. So I think at the time, being sucked into a TV – and then your child is floating in the netherworld. That seems like a very scary concept. Definitely. I mean, but most things, most movies that we watch as children and we thought were terrifying, as an adult, you look back on it, it doesn't hold up. True. A few of them do. Um, another one that stands out to me is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw that one when I was around the same age, eight or nine years old. And that that's a horror film that definitely stands up. But I think as an adult... It is a different kind of scary uh, because conceptually, as an adult, it's very scary because it seems like it could happen to people. And as a child, it's scary because there's this big, you know, monster man with a chainsaw killing these people. Right. So I think over time, 
films can remain scary, but they just change why they're scary. Oh, I do want to add that uh, I also watched it when I was a teenager, and I secretly enjoyed that film. I was completely terrified, but I ended up watching it several more times as a teenager. And surprisingly, I was never afraid of, uh, you know, clowns, but there's something about Tim Curry's acting that was just so creepy and (laughs) just he was so good i can't really pinpoint when i started to really love horror though and kind of became you know almost obsessed with the genre do you know when that was for you oh yeah um that was just a couple of years ago (laughs) i have been terrified of horror i stayed away from it my whole uh pretty much my whole adult adulthood until just a few years ago there's something in me that was like okay come on now come on jenny there's this stuff is not real you can watch it there's so many films out there that are coming out that you, you're like oh yeah it's i don't want to be that person that's like no i can't watch it because i don't like those types of movies so i kind of challenged myself to to kind of like branch out and just to see you know what these stories are all about what specifically draws you to horror, though? I think there's a... Okay, other than the typical horror tropes that slasher movies have, I think that there's a there's a different... I mean, I don't know. People are getting... The directors are getting so creative with their stories. And it's... There's something about the newer horror films that just is more enticing with being scared really shoots up your adrenaline and it it adds this like well I don't know I get sweaty and you know I always need to be guarded I always need to have a pillow at in hand you know just because it's like you want to you want to cover your eyes but yet you want to squint them as small as you can but while still being able to see the screen and there's something that just keeps making you watch it. I don't know. It's just this weird magical feeling. For me, I definitely love being scared. But I think as I've gotten older I, and, you know, we started doing our own, you know, indie filmmaking stuff, mm-hmm. I really look at horror as, you know, all movies to me are kind of like a magic trick. And horror is, like, one of, like, the best magic tricks you can pull off, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to setting people up for the scare and then the practical effects, right, the kills. I just feel like there's a lot of creativity that can go into horror. Mm -hmm. And there's some horror that I just don't like to watch, Uh, like body horror. I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Um, Really torturous stuff I don't really like. Uh, I'll still watch it, and you know they're still good movies, but it's it's not something that I I really enjoy watching. But the scare, setting people up for the scare, is just it is the coolest thing in the world to me. I just love that, and it's so hard to pull off. I mean, we've tried to make you know short horror films, and typically all of our films turn out to be comedies. 
Yeah. Um, I think we're more comedians than we are. But I, I think I makers. think we're getting close though. I think I think we are. <laughs> we cracked the code. We are getting close to being able to uh, do a good horror movie. It's hard to do good horror. There's a lot of horror out there that's you know not good. Mm-hmm. All right, I am really excited for Megan. Have you seen the trailer for Megan? No, I haven't. So Megan is about a little girl who has like a robot, kind of like a robot girl that she's friends with. It's like supposed to be like some sort of helper or protector or something like that and it looks really good i'm also excited for uh m night Shyamalan's new movie yes knock at the cabin so i've actually avoided all trailers for this movie so i saw like five seconds of a trailer so i know like dave batista's in it that's Mm -hmm. all i know about this movie i've avoided everything else do you want me to tell you about it no not at all (laughs) just kidding Uh, there, there's a big problem going on right now where trailers are exposing way too much of what's in the movie, especially when it comes to horror. And a great example for that is Smile. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw Smile, a lot of the good scares were revealed in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is such a such a waste to do that. I think they did that though, so that people would watch it. Because I I remember watching uh, it was on the news. It was on YouTube News, I guess, um, talking about they had some of the actors show up at stadiums and they were like kind of promoting their film aggressively. And in a way, maybe that's why the preview was so like a mini version of their film was so that people would, you know, get get hooked into like coming to actually see it in the theaters. Yeah, I feel like the best trailers for horror movies that I've seen, though, are trailers of the audience's reaction to watching the movie, mm. right? So, like, test screenings and just seeing how terrified everybody is. Yeah. Like, to me, that has drawn me into more horror movies than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just I just hate it when they reveal scares in trailers. Uh, but I, I, I do understand, like, you have to get people to want to come see your movie. Right. But, like, one of the scariest you know, scares and uh, smile was ruined by the trailer. It was. Because it was in the trailer. Let me guess. Let me guess which part you're talking about. Was it the car window scene? Yes, it was the car window scene. Yeah, I thought the same exact thing. How great would that have been to not know that that was coming? Yeah, I don't know why they would put that into the preview. I'm actually looking forward to watching Avatar 2. Uh, Those movies take forever to make, like years and years of the like the act like really the director James Cameron has to cross his fingers that nothing happens to these actors, you know, during the because he has what five that are scheduled to be shot. I mean that's a that's a commitment that's an investment too. I didn't know he's making five of them. Yeah, that's what I heard. Dude, how old is he? James Cameron, he's probably in his I don't know sixties or seventies. He's in the realm of, like, Steven Spielberg, right? Maybe he has, like, the cure to eternal life. Maybe he found it down in the ocean when he's down there exploring <laughs> everything. Talk about an interesting filmmaker, though. Like, Very that guy, interesting. That guy is, like, part filmmaker, part explorer from, like, an old-time, like... Well, yeah, actually, because he took eight... Oh, I've heard that he's taken... He took eight years off just to, you know, because after... What was it? It was Titanic... He became obsessed with the ocean, and he able, was able to develop more cameras that can film um, in deep waters. He has, like, his little submarine. 
He discovered a hundred different species down there. I mean, it's amazing because he's such a brilliant director, but yet he's also like a he is like an explorer. Let's see other stuff I've been into. So I read a a uh, short story the other day called Midnight Meat Train by Clive Barker. Are you familiar with Clive Barker? No. So Stephen King once said that uh, the future of horror is Clive Barker. Really? So that's a pretty good big compliment coming from Stephen King. That's a lot of pressure. Um, a lot of Clive Barker stories have been made into films. So I read Midnight Meat Train. And I saw the movie a long time ago, and I don't remember anything about it except for it has Bradley Cooper as, like, a journalist and Vinnie Jones as the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a MMA fighter, Quentin Rampage Jackson, is in it for, like, a very brief time. He gets murdered on the train. So since it's been so long since I watched the film, I looked up clips from it on YouTube. And I remember not necessarily liking the movie when it came up. But watching the clips on YouTube, I was like, man, these are actually pretty creative kills and, like, how they film them. Uh, so maybe that's one of those I'll have to revisit and maybe we'll have to throw it in our reviews for later on. But back to the story. It's a pretty short read. It's about 20 pages long. I think it's very – it's, like, a very interesting concept. The ending, to me, kind of feels like it's cut short. Uh, but it is a short story, so I understand that. But I, I really enjoyed reading it. It was really cool. So you know that I'm allergic to reading, so don't do too much of that. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, been listening to Joe Rogan's. He had Matthew McConaughey on. It was it was an older one. Uh, they were talking about the different characters that actors have to play, and people were judging them for the dramatic weight loss that they have to go through. But he was explaining how actors need to have they need to be believable. And when he was he was playing the role for um, the Dallas Buyers Club, he had to lose all that weight because who's going to believe that he was suffering from AIDS if he didn't look that skinny? He said that he went down to like 135 pounds. He says it's about determination. It's about, you know, regulating. He knows when he's going to quit the film. So it really is it that unhealthy? He was still eating just a very small amount of calories. But I thought it was pretty interesting how even though we want to, the public wants to talk about, you know, how awful it is to do these things. But if he, if he wants, I mean, movies is a form of art. And I kind of appreciate the actors going through this so that they can create a good story. It definitely shows how determined they are towards their art form. You know, uh, one that sticks out in my mind is Christian Bale from The Machinist. Mm. Also lost a drastic amount of weight. You know, from like a human perspective, I wish they didn't have to do that because, of course, it is really bad for their bodies. But like I completely understand where he's coming from, that if he just shows up as his normal self, you're not going to believe that character. And, you know, if they're that dedicated to telling that story, you know, you you really have to appreciate and um, – sort of respect their determination to deliver. Well, at least if you're playing a role where you're, I don't know, 50 pounds overweight, you can always just slap on a fat suit, and that's pretty believable. Throwing on a skinny suit, if that was even an option, I would be buying that as soon as possible. They would be sold out. Everyone (laughs) would be in skinny suits. 
In movie news, uh, Ruggiero Diodato, the director of the controversial 1980 film Cannibal Holocaust, died recently at the age of 83. Um, so Cannibal Holocaust, obviously very controversial, still controversial to this day. He was actually brought up on murder charges in Italy by the authorities over this film because they thought that some of the murders were real because the actors in their contracts had in there that they couldn't appear in any other media for like a year after the release of the film Mm -hmm. to kind of sell the found footage aspect of the film. Mm -hmm. So they actually had to go on like Italian TV to prove that they were still alive. Did he go to... To court or or on trial? I don't even know if he went to trial or anything like that. I feel like that's a really good way to advertise your film, though, because if people are talking about it in the news, even though it's negative, you know, they're talking about like, oh, this guy, I think we suspect that he's he's actually uh, made these people eat real people. Then people are going to go see that film. Yeah, it was banned in a lot of countries, I think, but. It could be, you know, I mean, obviously he wanted people to think it was real. That's why he put in the contracts that they, you know, couldn't appear anything else for a year. Right. Uh, but apparently they thought it was way too real. And then <laughs> they had to appear in public because they were bringing them up on murder charges. So. That kind of reminds me of the, uh, I don't even know the facts yet, but I'd have to look this up. But do you remember a story where before there was television, people used to listen to the radio and then there was a people were listening to stories that were that were on the radio, and it was a story about uh, alien in uh, alien invasion, and like like half of America thought it was real. Yeah, it was Orson Welles. Yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, War of the Worlds. So I don't know. Again, like who knows how much of this is like accurate or how much of it's blown out of proportion, right? Um, but like, I could see that, you know, um, turning on the radio, you know, halfway through and not realizing that you're listening to a teleplay, you know, back then that that's why, like, I so wish I could grab somebody from like the 1900s and put them in like avatar or avatar two and just be like, just see the reaction. <laughs> they just mind's blown. Yeah. It'd be so cool. Thanks for listening to the slideshow this week. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, Kaiju Carnival, to check out our short films, and you can find us on Instagram at Kaiju underscore Carnival to see what we're going to be reviewing next week or the other cool stuff that we're up to. And we are very interested in your opinion and some of your recommendations. Definitely email us at Connect at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Matane.